Hey everyone, this is Laz Jackson of Detroit Bad Boys, and on this week's episode we're talking about your 6-28 and 28 Detroit Pistons. Ben Gulker and I talk about Hami and Sadiq stepping up in the face of multiple players and health and safety protocols, who, if anyone, called up from the Motor City Cruise has caught our eye, and we offer some New Year's resolutions for the Pistons in 2022. As always, we appreciate your continued support of the podcast. The best way to do that is to share, subscribe, and leave comments. Please leave comments on the discussion post on Detroit Bad Boys. That's the best way for us to have the conversation that we want to have around the podcast. In order to do that, though, you have to follow DetroitBadBoys.com, which you should be doing because it's the best place on the internet for Pistons news and analysis this season. With all that said, it's time to go to work. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome. And actually, hello and a happy new year to all of you guys. Uh, welcome to the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. I am your host, Lazarus Jackson. Pleased, as always, to be joined by my usual co-host, Ben Gulker. Ben, are you as under the weather as I am? <laughs> well, I am fortunately not under the weather, but the rest of my house is under the weather. So, so health and safety protocols, I guess we could say, taking the day off tomorrow to hang out with the kiddos, all that good stuff. So, yeah, man, felt like real life, getting in touch with other people, getting colds, hopefully not COVID. Yeah, that's how it goes. Yeah, health and safety protocols all around for all of us, apparently. Uh, it's been so long since we podcasted, the Pistons like had seven dudes exit and enter uh, COVID protocols since we last talked, man. I made for uh, the really rough stretch of basketball just like not very fun basketball to watch they managed to not lose you know 17 games in a row or whatever but uh, it's still not pretty but thanks largely to like Sadiq Bey and Hamidou Diallo um, the Pistons have managed to go like two and five I think over uh, the, the period since we last podcasted so that's good at least uh, it's been headband Sadiq over the last 10 games Sadiq is shooting 40, 33, 93. He's scoring 20 points a game, seven and a half rebounds and two and a half assists, shooting almost six free throws a game, which I think is huge, and averaging uh, exactly two turnovers. Um, a ton more productivity. He's been shooting better, driving better, getting to the line, still doing all the stuff you uh, would like to see him do as one of the few remaining like rotation players uh, for this Detroit Pistons team that, again, had a bunch of dudes struck down by COVID. What's been the element of Sadiq's game that you've been most pleased with uh, in this stretch of games, Ben? Man, well, he's been great. Uh, first of all, he's, he's been absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, it's especially encouraging to me, I'll say, um, when you look at the way that he struggled so dramatically and so significantly over the first, what, 20, 30 games? I don't even remember how many it was. But um, the way that he was able to remain confident uh, the way that he was able to continue to have the confidence of the coaching staff. And then when everything went wrong for him to come out and play his best basketball of the season, I think that says a lot about a, a player's character, about their um, ability uh, to remain positive. I, I mean, there's a lot of young players who I could envision, um, you know, really folding in that scenario. And I think teams as well, right? Like 
Uh, we look at what's, what's happening with the Houston Rockets right now. Ooh, As yeah. You've talked about this a few times. Dwayne Casey's done a great job of mitigating that, where it would be very easy for this team to uh, be consumed by infighting and negativity. Uh, Sadiq Bay, I think, is a, is a wonderful example of the job that Dwayne Casey has done. Casey deserves credit. Sadiq obviously deserves a tremendous amount of credit as well. But that's what I'll say has stood out to me the most is, you know, when it was the situation was at its absolute worst, I think it says a lot about a player to come out and play your best basketball, certainly of the season. Um, you know, and if he continues to play this way, it might be one of the best short stretches of his career, honestly. No, absolutely. I what's when to that point, right? Uh, I was I'm thinking of uh, an Instagram post from the Motor City Cruise general manager Rob Murphy, who was like in the locker room. Uh, he he spoke during the game. He's on the broadcast. He's in the locker room after the uh, after the win against the San Antonio Spurs, and uh, he has an Instagram story I believe up now of like Sadiq Bay like getting in extra work like 20 minutes after hitting a game winning shot. Is like that's just kind of the person Sadiq is, right? And that's those are the type of people that Troy Weaver, you know, consciously selects, and, and why I think that uh, that this team has like a lot of uh, why we see that this team doesn't have some of the internal issues that other teams uh, are going through. You know, like you mentioned with the Houston Rockets in particular right now. Um, but like on the court, I've been most impressed with Sadiq as a driver. I remember earlier in the season, Ben, there was a lot of, uh, you know, mid post isolation possessions that didn't really feel like they were going anywhere. I feel like he's still a little bit predictable and he's still a little bit predetermining what he's going to do before he does it. But the familiarity with how these moves are supposed to be executed at game speed is, uh, is definitely like increased. And that's made him a more, I think, effective driver. And it's gotten him to the free throw line a lot more. Like, I think the, like, obviously uh, his usage is up and the time with the ball is up. And you, it's hard to get to the free throw line if you don't have the ball. But uh, I, I think that the way he's been attacking the rim is like also just lent itself well to getting those free throws. And that's something that I hope he maintains even as the team, you know, doesn't have to rely on him to self-create as much and get some of these guys back uh, into the rotation, into the starting lineup. That's something I think he can still do, you know, even when, you know, uh, he's on the floor with like a Cade Cunningham or a Killian Hayes or, or, you know, a Jeremy Grant in time and some of the other starters. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree with that. I think, you know, what we saw in, I think, going back to the preseason exhibition games, we certainly saw some maturation of Sadiq's offensive game, mm-hmm. but then when his shot just didn't fall, it seemed like that just sort of had a ripple effect through everywhere else. Now, now it's all clicking. It's all working. And on top of it all, as you mentioned, he's getting to the line. Uh, I think this, I think this bodes well for him. And I think certainly for fans who may have been getting discouraged, um, certainly there was reason to be, but you know, this last stretch of games certainly gives us a reason to be optimistic. Yeah. And I think it's, it shows, it's a good thing that, you know, the, the production is up, even though his three point stroke isn't all the way back, right. He's only shooting 33% from three during this stretch. Um, He's had a couple stinkers. I believe he had, he's like two for 12 from three against San Antonio and like another one for six, one for seven um, from three game thrown in there. And in that last 10, but um, you know, clearly someone has to take these shots on this team and it hasn't deterred him 
in the way that it felt like it was deterring him, you know, 10, 15, 20 games ago when uh, it felt like at times he was turning down open looks that we know he can make. So it's good to have that guy get his confidence back too as well. All right, Ben, the next guy, speaking of confidence, Hamadou Diallo is just playing with all the confidence in the world. Uh, Since Hami has been added to the starting lineup, he's averaging 18 points, six rebounds, and two assists a night, shooting 54% from the floor, 29% from three, and 53% from the free throw line, uh, averaging two and a half turnovers a game. But he's thrown in some 30-point nights. He's had some really big nights over the last couple of games in particular. Um, it's take, but Ben has taken him 14 shots a game to get those 18 points. And he's not, you know, you heard me say 29% from three and 53% from the free throw line. Those are not good numbers. So I, I guess I'm stuck wondering and trying to envision what his contribution looks like when, uh, guys return to the lineup. Do you think, do you think he's still a starter when everybody's healthy, Ben? Man, well, he might be a starter just by default yeah, <laughs> because there's, there's not a ton of other guys. You know, I think you you look for complementary skill sets when you're trying to put rosters together, which is, I think, kind of where you're headed. And he, with the ball in his hands a lot, like he's had the last several games with Cade out due to health and safety protocols, he's looked like a, a different player, right? He's had the ball in his hands a lot more. He's using those opportunities to attack the rim very aggressively. Uh, he's using his athleticism. Uh, to get up and finish at the rim in ways we really haven't seen anyone in a Pistons jersey do. I guess maybe prior to Blake Griffin getting hurt, we got some glimpses of that. But, I mean, he's been so exciting to watch. Um, The other thing he really brings to the table that I have absolutely loved is just a fire and an excitement that appears to be contagious, right? Like, I'm thinking of uh, the the drive and dunk he had late in the second half. I think it was the second half of the San Antonio game most recently. He's just so fired up, and I think that that's contagious for the rest of the guys. You know, does he does he fit in the starting lineup? I th- again, I think kind of by default he does. Long term, where and how and does he fit for the Pistons beyond you know this short term contract that Weaver signed him to? Um, you know, you don't love those shooting numbers. He's never been known as a shooter. He doesn't seem to be improving as a shooter. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it looks to me like that probably if he stays with the Pistons, he probably finds his way into the second unit. But however, having said that, maybe the way that he's played of late and recently without a real point guard in the lineup opens up some new paths and ball handling opportunities. So he's more of a primary ball handler, which I don't think we've necessarily seen enough of, right? Given what we've seen so far. So I think that would be my hope for Hami plug him into that six, seventh, eight man slot, depending on how you juggle your rotations around, but make a concerted effort to get the ball in his hands because he's clearly got the ability to get to the rim, which is an incredibly valuable skill, especially in the second unit. Yeah, de- definitely. I, I I, do think that uh, like when everyone is back healthy and in the rotation, uh, I do kind of wish – well. Uh, all the guys in, in COVID protocols, right? Like Jeremy Grant won't be back in this rotation for non-COVID reasons for quite some time, right? Um, similar thing with Frank Jackson, who we're going to talk about uh, in a second. But I do think that he, the skill set of the rim pressure that he brings fits like really well alongside like Caden, Killian, and Sadiq. And so I I do think that element is is appreciated in the starting lineup, and I hope we continue to see that. 
it it will be interesting to me if he brings that same energy and excitement though, Ben, that you mentioned, uh, if he doesn't have the ball in his hands all the time, right? I, I think he does a good job of that uh, still as a uh, as like as a rotation player, as like the third or fourth option. But um, I do think it's harder to make exciting impact, like uh, you know, get guys out of seat plays if you don't have the ball as much. And so I, I wonder how that continues and how, how we continue to see that, uh, that go. But I've been, you know, it, he's been a ton of fun to watch during, uh, this stretch of games. He's been one of the, the few reasons I've like want to turn on a Pistons game, uh, over the last like a uh, holiday break over the last two weeks or so. And so you, you can't say enough about that, but, uh, exciting and uh, productive like when everybody is out does not necessarily mean like good and like that is that that is the thing i think i'm still having like trouble holding in my head about homie like i still don't know how good he is right like i I know he can be productive i know he can do his like pull out crossover slash back like lefty finish it's like I, i know what he can do but like i i don't know if that's going to be enough around um like Caden Sadiq, right, and and you know whoever comes in the in the draft this year, um, and so it, it'll be, you know, I'm I'm happy, I'm grateful, uh, I'm excited to watch him, but I, I'm just I got this this thing in the back of my mind that just won't go away about uh you know whether or not he fits and how good he actually is. All right, Ben, a little bit of injury speculation, uh, comfortability time. Uh, Frank Jackson tweaked his ankle against the Knicks, I believe, two games ago earlier this week. Uh, the team said he would be reevaluated in seven to ten days, which is good. That's better. That's a shorter reevaluation period than I expected, given what the ankle injury looked like than the fact that uh, he had trouble getting off the floor under his own power, if I remember correctly from uh, from reports. Um, you know, obviously, Frank had been another, you know, very productive bench piece for this team. Um, when everyone is, I'm going to say this phrase a whole bunch this podcast, apparently when everyone's healthy, uh, do you think, or what do you think the Frank injury uh, impact like has on the rotation? Ben? Yeah. I mean, it, it's either Hami or Frank, right? I think the, that's the, the guy you slide into the starting lineup. Mm-hmm. And they're very different players, right? So do you mm-hmm. want do you want a guy who's more of an off-ball shooter but maybe undersized defensively who creates some problems for you that way? Or do you want the, the dynamic defender but can't shoot? <laughs> so, you know, neither one neither one's a perfect fit, right? Um, I, I probably lean toward in a perfect world when everybody's healthy, sliding Frank into the starting lineup because I really like to have that shooting there. And then again, what I think I've seen from Hami that I've liked the last week or two is I, I think he can be more of a ball handler. I really do. I think he can he can carry a little more weight individually than maybe he's been allowed to if he's in the second unit. I just don't think there's enough basketball to go around in that first unit for him to be able to do that. Um, you know, but I have the same questions about Frank Jackson kind of as you do about Hamadou Diallo. Um, you know, Frank's got some nice skills, absolutely, without question. Um, but whether or not he's a long-term fit for the Pistons, you know, I don't I don't have the answer to that yet. Certainly a guy with some of his skills fits, right? Like mm-hmm. You can plug him into lots of different rotations because he can shoot, he can get to the rim. 
um, and he doesn't need the ball in his hands. So you can plug him in lots of places. Um, but is he the guy who's going to stick? I, I think that remains to be seen. I think that's, that's a good point because I always default to the shooting being more valuable to put around or more valuable to have on the roster and thus like more likely to keep Frank around. But you're right in that, you know, Frank has not been an amazing shooter this year. He's been a good shooter, but not, not a great one. He's been productive, but uh, a lot of that productivity has not necessarily been tied to his three point shooting. Um, And so it, it makes sense if you can obtain a better shooter to put in the starting lineup, um, you know, maybe one that's a little bit better defensively or a one with a little bit more size, it, you know, it, it would make sense to not necessarily stick uh, Frank Jackson in this team, in this team's long-term plans, excuse me. Um, no, yeah, that, I think that's a really good point and uh, something I also need to keep in mind, but yeah, it, it does really seem like uh, Frank and Hamier are, fighting for uh the the wing minutes alongside uh the rest of the guys we think are more established and and more ensconced in this Pistons team um one other slight injury note uh you know the Pistons uh came out and said during you know during our our hiatus that uh, Kelly Olynyk is still rehabbing if you remember his uh six-week reevaluation period passed uh, during our hiatus, and it does not sound like he is ready to return to the court uh, just yet. Uh, with that said, I have noticed that Kelly Olenek is posting on Instagram for the first time in uh, like at least like six or so weeks, and so I suspect he's feeling better, if if nothing else. But I don't know if that means a return to the court uh, is imminent. But yeah, get get well, Kelly. Um, he had he had some nice like Christmas uh, food. On the, on the timeline, that was pretty cool. So uh, so I'm, I'm glad he's in good spirits, uh, at least. It doesn't seem like uh, the injury is like taking a huge toll on him. All right, Ben, we, we've talked a bunch about uh, the Pistons having a bunch of guys in health and safety protocols. What that has translated into is a bunch of call-ups from the Motor City crews and a bunch of hardship, hardship exception signings of uh, G League free agents, uh, essentially. Um have any of those guys caught your eye? Have any of those guys uh, made an imprint uh, on on the team uh, while they're playing in your mind, Ben? <laughs> I've had a hard time just keeping track of who is who, no, yeah. <laughs> to be perfectly honest. Definitely. Which which is to say, I don't think any of them have, you know, jumped off the broadcast and made me think, oh, we need to, need to lock this guy up for the rest of the season. He's going to make a, a difference in the rotation, which, you know, it, it's – it is what it is. It's been, it's been surreal to watch the replacements movie play out in the NBA in real time as we're watching. It's been absolutely wild. Um, you know, I, I will say the one upside for me watching Luca get a 2010, I think was was impressive from the perspective that you know you you don't see a lot of guys who are second round picks come off the bench after doing basically nothing all season to get a 2010 game followed up with I think. One for 10, wrong kind of 10, <laughs> uh, and then had another 20-point game. You know, his defensive struggles are what they are. We know what they are. We don't have to beat a dead horse about that. Um, that's the only memorable thing for me, though. And I, it, it was nice to see Luca do some of the things that, from my perspective, have been the things he has to do if he's going to turn himself into a rotation player, which is he's going to have to be so efficient scoring the basketball, and he's going to have to be a monster on the glass to win his matchups because his defensive 
inefficiencies and weaknesses are, are very much there. Um, so I, I guess it was nice to see him do that for two out of three games. But beyond that, yeah, man, it, it, I, I really don't think I have anything. The contrast in styles between uh, Luca Garza and Mitchell Robinson was, a, was definitely a sight to behold during the, uh, the Pistons-Knicks game. Um, I am. Su- I'm going to bring up one guy. I didn't. I'm surprised you didn't, Ben. And that's Derek Walton Jr. Um, yeah. I've. I won't say that like he's been uh, super impressive, because he he's not been like amazing. Um, either been times when he hasn't shot the ball, and I've kind of been when he been he's when he's been open, been kind of wondering why that's been the case when he's always been like a, a pretty good three point shooter, but. Um, especially as uh, the Pistons have missed out on a, a lot of guard play. A lot of their guards have been out in health and safety protocols. Um, Walton has been a, a consistent steadying presence for a team that like really could use it. And so I'm, you know, and it was, a, it's, it, that's a little bit easier to say too, because he's always, he's already sort of established that he was a like a quadruple a NBA player. Uh, to mix my sports. Um, <laughs> he, he proved that last year with the Clippers, right? That he could play basketball. He could be in, an, he could be in an NBA rotation and uh, you wouldn't suffer uh, too much, but that, but basically having like a uh, quadruple a quality point guard play has enabled this team to do a lot more uh, has a lot has enabled this team to do some of the other stuff that they wouldn't normally be able to do otherwise, right? Like somebody has to throw Luka Garza those pick and pops, right? Like somebody has to uh, nutmeg Yaka Pertle on a pass to the corner for a Sadiq game winner. Uh, somebody has to, you know, keep the ball moving and keep the offense running and not just come out uh, looking to make an impact on the game by scoring, which is what I feel like uh, a lot of these uh these hardship exception guys uh, come in, they immediately come in, they want to score. That's how they think they'll stay at the NBA level. And that's not necessarily always the case. Uh, and so Walton has, has stood out to me. Um, you know, it's whether it's uh, whether it's been, you know, Saban Lee, whether it's been more Killian Hayes backup minutes, whether it's Derek Walton Jr. I think this is also just like a reiteration of my desire to like not watch Corey Joseph anymore. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, I, I appreciate the stylings of Derek Walton Jr. during this time. Okay, so I will talk about Derek Walton Jr. because you want me to, Laz. <laughs> so I think you you summed him up very very well. Like it, at Michigan, right? So he transferred over to Michigan. He was kind of the same thing for the Wolverines as you've observed him to be for the Pistons during that stretch, which is to say, you know, I I think when you would call up any number of G league point guards to the NBA and put them in a situation in which he's found himself, they would try to do exactly what you would think a guy like him would do, which is shoot the ball, shoot the ball, shoot the ball, try to score as many points as possible. And in so doing probably play his way right back into the G league, right? Like there are a lot of guys who would probably do that. Walton by contrast is incredibly mature and I think very confident and content with who he is as a player. And that is not to be a scoring point guard. He is very comfortable being the, the, the quarterback who doesn't shoot, right? Like the, mm-hmm. the quarterback who throws the, the seven yard out route instead of the 40 yard, you know, down the field um, bomb for a touchdown, right? Like he's just 
a calming presence. So like if you're an NBA team who needs a third point guard, failsafe who you know will just be steady, even keel, and not lose the game for you by making stupid mistakes, then I think you could look at Derek Walton Jr. and think, yeah, like he could absolutely do the job if we needed him to do it. I think what's interesting is the Pistons don't need that, right? Well, they need it now because everybody's out. But like (laughs) the the Pistons, they've got Saban Lee, who they're hoping turns into something a little bit more than that, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so they're going for, you know, they're, they're going more boom or bust. Walton is more like, okay, third guy, not going to lose the game for you can come in in a pinch. And like you said, find the open guy for the game winner. Like he can absolutely be that guy. But can he be more than that? Eh, mm. probably not. And that's probably why he doesn't make a ton of sense for Detroit right now. Yeah. No, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, Ben, does it does it matter at all that, like, Davidas Servitas and Cassius Stanley and Chuck Diallo and Jamarco Pickett, like, haven't? been very good as NBA players does like does that really matter like I, I know Pickett's on a two-way and so that's like kind of an actual roster spot but like the rest of the guys are performing like you would expect uh G League players to perform is is that bad should I should I should I be wrong for expecting more I don't think so buddy like okay so what are the odds that a G League player sticks in this it's like one out of how many one yeah, out of how point, many yeah. hundreds right like Okay, so Robert Covington, I guess, is the guy who comes to mind, who maybe it's not a, a perfect analogy, but those guys are pretty rare, right? So, I don't know. I guess I'm not too worried about it. You got you to gotta throw a lot of darts to hit the bullseye in this scenario, I think. That's true. It's a, it's a good reminder that the G League is just like a league of darts, right? Yeah. yeah. It's, an, it's an entire roster full of darts. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I. I do confess, I was like, I, I was at first like irrationally excited that Jamarco Pickett would be getting minutes, and then that quickly was like, oh yeah, that's right. Like this is a uh, okay. I see why he was a yeah. four-year player at Georgetown. <laughs> you start to see exactly why he's on a two-way. For exactly. Sure. Uh, all right, Ben. It is January second. By the time you are listening to this, it's January third. That means it's the new year, which means it's time for New Year resolutions for our Detroit Pistons. Um, I solicited a couple from Twitter as well. We will get to those at the end. Those were uh, significantly more uh, uh, sadder, more sad <laughs> than the ones we're about to go through. But uh, Ben, give me give me your first New Year's resolution for the Detroit Pistons in twenty twenty two. All right, so my first one, continue Cade's ascension. So, Laswin, we're, we're breaking down Media Day 2022. I don't want to hear about anyone else being the number one option. I want to hear about Cade Cunningham. I want him to continue to develop when he gets back and he's healthy. And I, I hope that Troy Weaver finds a way to go all in on Cade Cunningham uh, over the next 12 months. Shape the roster around his development. Don't spend too much time worrying about veterans who need to get their shots and their minutes and all that kind of stuff. Um, just, just focus on Cade. And I think if there's been a silver lining prior to the, the COVID protocols uh, of the injuries that we saw, Kelly Olenek, Jeremy Grant, it was the clarity that I think we saw uh, sort of coalesce around Cade Cunningham. Laz, there's just no question to me that his shoulders were broad enough to carry the load. He's still got some weaknesses. He's still young. Mm-hmm. All of that is still true. But I think we saw some really, really clear moments um, and really clear full performances from game to game that 
demonstrate that uh, as Cade goes, so goes the franchise. So resolution number one, uh, go in, go all in on Cade. That, that's got to be the plan. I like that. I like that. That's a good resolution. I didn't have that one, but it's a good one. My my first one was uh, I'm I'm a I'm not a numbers guy, but I feel like everyone's first New Year's resolution is like I want to weigh X, <laughs> and like I feel like the equivalent for this Pistons team is I want to win at least 30 games in the calendar year of 2022. Now you can split that across two seasons, right? <laughs> uh, they're currently what uh, seven and something. Uh, they've, they've, uh, if they win 20 ish games the rest of this year and, uh, they win 10 ish games at the beginning of next year and start next year, like 10 and 23 or something like that. I think that would be good. I would be, you know, I wouldn't be like amazed, but I would be pretty pleased, uh, with that. So this team, uh, again, 14 game losing streak to basically end 2021, uh, at one point where I think there's still this. Still, I think they're still the worst team in the NBA right now, uh, standing wise. You know, I would like to do a slight bit more winning than they are currently doing, and I feel like that's a good resolution to start with. Then, I agree, Les. That's a good one. All right, all right. What's what's your next resolution, Ben? All right, number two, Troy Weaver. Uh, you got to work some wizardry, my man, and get something out of the collective nothing worth of assets that we currently have <laughs> on the roster. Um, the reason I say collective nothing is we, we clearly have some assets, right? But the, the guys that are assets are guys we don't want to move. So um, I, I mean this very literally. We really, I would be super impressed if he can get literally any future asset um, out of one of the guys or contracts that we have on the roster right now. So. Um, you know, Jeremy Grant obviously has been in the news. He's been rumored, especially right prior to his injury. I don't know if that's likely this season. It seems more unlikely than likely to me. Um, maybe Jeremy Grant moves this summer or, uh, you know, maybe a guy like Frank Jackson or um, a guy like Corey Joseph turns into a matching contract in a future second round pick. Uh, even that <laughs> would make me happy. And uh, hopefully what comes out of all of that is, a big man who does big man things and can also play defense, uh, unlike our friend Luca Garza. So, yeah, Troy Weaver, time to uh, time to be a wizard and outsmart the rest of the NBA. Get some assets in the war chest. That that lines up perfectly with my second resolution, which is to add some athleticism to this mm-hmm. roster. It's like I, I feel like uh, the big man doing big man things is also something that we've noted consistently on this podcast is just like a, a weakness of the roster and a, a failure of roster construction. Um, but it's, it's also the case that we don't also have a lot of dynamism right in the backcourt. Um, you know, Cade's been uh, a wizard with the basketball. We've seen a lot from Hadou, Hamadou Diallo like over this stretch, but there isn't uh, a lot of dynamism outside of those two guys. And I feel like this team could just use a little bit more oomph uh, across the roster. And so, yeah, absolutely. Troy Weaver has to do, he has to work some magic. He's got to be a wizard and, uh, find a way to, uh, turn, what was the, uh, you turn mice into horses and the pumpkin into the carriage. Yeah. We got to turn, uh, Frank Jackson into somebody who dunks a little bit more than Frank Jackson. That's, uh, before, uh, before the clock hits midnight for sure. So many analogies. I'm surprised <laughs> we did like a lump of coal into a diamond. I mean, what else? What else we got? Here? Oh, that would have been much better. <laughs> oh, now I'm sad. Oh. <laughs> All 
All right, man. What's your third resolution for the Pistons? All right, Laz. The third one is really about me, right? So um, thinking back to last summer, the Pistons win the NBA lottery, my excitement was palpable. I mean, I was so excited going into this season. And even with the early losing, I felt like I was still pretty excited about botching the games. But man, I will be honest, the last three, four, five weeks have really been a grind for me. And I just haven't been having fun watching the Pistons. I've, I've almost felt like it's been more of a chore at times. So I'm going to try to do something to my mindset. Um, and, and every week, Laz, I want to find something positive that happens that I intentionally get enjoyment from. Now, that may be hard when we've got the uh, the, the G League roster in the mix right now. But yeah, I'm going to I'm going to try to find something Laz every week to really be happy about and to really enjoy while I'm watching basketball. And I'll tell you where this came from. Um, I watched the Warriors play over the holiday break with my dad. And uh, I feel like every time I I do that, mm-hmm. every time I watch a really good team play, I'm reminded about how much I love the game of basketball. Mm-hmm. And there's something about watching beautiful basketball that there's there's nothing else like that for me in any sport or any other type of competition and so i'm gonna i'm gonna try to change my mindset and find something about the pistons every single week even if it's something small uh, that i can really appreciate and be proud of and and really enjoy because if we're not enjoying this man we're, we're doing it wrong and i think i've been doing it wrong for a few weeks and i want to change that 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 is a great resolution ben i do agree with you though uh you know watching being purposeful about finding joy in this team is, I think, is a great move. But, you know, watching other teams uh, definitely helps spark joy. I, <laughs> that, that Warriors-Suns game on Christmas yeah, was, yeah. A, was a very, I was like, that's a playoff intensity level game. And then to go from that to the first San Antonio uh, game that they played, I think, the next day, <laughs> was just is quite jarring. And so, like, I don't, I don't, I can't blame you. For uh, for how you feel uh, between or how your your feelings about the disparity between those two games, but uh, I, I applaud your desire to to be more positive about bridging that gap. Uh, my final resolution for this team is to establish an on court identity. Right now, I don't really know what this Pistons team is supposed to be, other than like young. Uh, I, I know what Troy Weaver has said is like they want to be an intelligent, like hardworking, uh, like scrappy team. But I don't know what that translates to in terms of like tactics. Right. I don't know what type of defense they want to play all the time. I don't know what they want to do on offense consistently besides like give the ball to Cade and let him operate. Right. I want uh, a little bit more, you know, illustration of what the future offense and defense of this team is going to look like um in the next calendar year like maybe maybe that requires you know a little bit more from the coaching staff maybe that requires a little bit more clarity on the roster because i do think that um good coaching is making the most out of out of the pieces that you have and different pieces i think will inspire a, a different uh type of like uh coaching tactical ability or different types of like coaching tactics used. And so I'll be interested to see like how those two things like feed into one another. But right now this team is like just young and bad. And I would like them to be like young, bad and like 
really good in transition, right? Or like young, bad and like really killing you on the glass and like young, bad and like really moving the ball around and, uh, you know, generating offense through ball movement, right? And right now it doesn't feel like they, they do any one thing at even like a, a passing grade at an NBA level. And so I'd like to see, uh, I'd like to see that on either end of the floor before the end of the calendar year. All right, Ben, let's read, let's read some of what other people had to say about their uh, New Year's resolutions for the Detroit Pistons from Brian Tensley at Brian underscore 10 S just to let go of the anger. I feel about how bad they are. (laughs) They are who they are and try again next year. Brian, we're right there with you, man. (laughs) All right. From, uh, from Tom Charette, uh, uh, Tom at Tom Charette. Uh, 20 wins or more now looking good with our summer league roster. I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you, Tom. Uh, I, I do hope they win like 24 ish games, uh, this season overall, um, from at Alex Barant, uh, find an area of the game that they can do really, really well. Pruner defense, passing possession control, something. It's time to start shaping the clay a little bit. I agree with you, Alex. That was my, my well, that was close to one of my resolutions as well. Uh, they got, they got to do something, uh, specifically, uh, in one way or another, um, from Thomas at GM want to be, oh, GM want to be. Okay. I didn't read that well at first. Let Diallo play free. He is unstoppable pretending to be MJ out there lately. I, you know, they don't really got a choice in there. Thomas feel like that's feel like that's happening. Um, from, at Derek Brooks, uh, Derek Brooks with the O's is zeros. Um, a good Jeremy trade, Chicago or Utah, a top four draft pick, Cade to average 17, 7, and 7 the rest of the season. So that's three things. Which of those things do you like the most? The good Jer- Jeremy trade, the top four draft pick, or Cade averaging 17, 7, and 7? Uh, top four pick. Mm, that's interesting. I'd... I've been looking at the top of this draft because I, I do think like it's already time to start like thinking about that. Uh, you know, the 14 game losing streak definitely helps with that. And I'm not super excited about the top of this year's draft. I'm not super yeah. excited about the the middle of this year's draft either. This is, this is, uh, this is as good. Uh, th- this draft is not as good as last year's draft, just like point blank period. And so I, I do think it's important that they get a high, a really high draft draft pick, but, I, I want to caution, like, even if they get the number one pick again, they're not going to get a player as good as Cade Cunningham. They're not going to get a player as good as Evan Mobley, if we're being completely honest. Um, and they're probably not going to get a player as good as Jalen Green. And Jalen Green hasn't even been, like, amazing this year. But, right. yeah, uh, yeah this, is, this is not looking to be, like, the most uh, amazingest uh, draft. So that's a – So the, let, me, let me quickly give two reasons why. First of all, a top four pick is a fantastic trade asset. Ooh, good point. Secondly – the reason I didn't say Cade Cunningham averaging 17, 7, and 7 is because I think that's something like that slash line is pretty much a given. What I care a lot more about with Cade Cunningham is how he gets those 17 points and those 17 assists. If I would be much happier seeing Cade, you know, have his turnover rate over the course of like a 10 or 20 game stretch or something like that, mm-hmm. or consistently get to the free throw line at a higher rate or something like that. Because I think Given his skill set, I think seventeen seven seven is like that's just gonna happen, right? It's a matter of how efficiently he gets those buckets that are going to determine, 
like a good player versus a great player. So those are the two reasons I didn't pick Cade. I, I, anyway, yeah. No, that's a, that's a good call. That's a good call. I was thinking the Jeremy trade. Uh, I do think that like you, you talked about, you know, getting more assets in your resolution. And I do think Jeremy Grant is right now, like the best way the Pistons have to do that. Um, you, you know, you have shaped a lot of my thinking about whether or not it is time for this Pistons team to turn Jeremy Grant from like a player into an asset. And uh, I do think that there is a lot more like smoke uh, rising out of the front office about whether or not they'd be willing to let Jeremy Grant go. And so I think um, I just hope that Troy Weaver's uh, obvious like love for Jeremy Grant outside of the game of basketball, outside of the NBA uh, still like enables him to get, the most out of Jeremy Grant from a like trade perspective. Right. I, I know there's probably a desire to do right by Jeremy Grant, just like there was a desire to do right by Derek Rose and trade him in New York instead of some places that may have given you a little bit more in terms of assets, just like there was a desire to do right by Blake Griffin instead of just like holding on to him for, you know, another six months and uh, letting him chase a championship with the Brooklyn nets. Um, but at the same time, like I, I would love to do right by Jeremy Grant. I do think there are places you could trade him that he would be valuable and be part of a winning team. And uh, like Chicago in particular, like comes to mind with how well they're playing right now uh, and their need for uh, a power forward. But uh, if Chicago like doesn't work, like I hope they have no qualms about, you know, sending Jeremy Grant to like NBA Siberia and Sacramento. (laughs) If, if that, if that who gives if that's who's willing to give you, uh, you know, the best kind of trade package, right? Just just pull the trigger and do that. The irony being that the Detroit Pistons are actually NBA Siberia. Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> Can't go anywhere but up, baby. Oh, oh, baby. Yeah, no. Well, there you go. Hey, and then that's part of it, right? You can, that's, that's a good pitch. It's like, hey, we are doing right by you <laughs> exactly. by letting you go someplace else. <laughs> if you love something, you've got to let it go. <laughs> Uh, all right, Ben. This is, this has been a good episode. It's been good yeah, to talk very, to you again. Very man. cathartic, therapeutic. I appreciate yeah. it. And you know, with any luck, the the Pistons will resume looking like a uh, an actual NBA team, a bad NBA team, but an actual bad NBA team in the not too distant future. So, uh, with with some guys returning to uh, to play from health and safety protocols, uh, I believe uh, if you're looking for something to be excited about the Pistons every week, I believe the return of Cade Cunningham will help with that greatly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let the people know where they can find you, where they can find, uh, where they can talk to you, where they can give you stuff to be happy about for the Pistons every week, Ben. Yeah, come hit me up on Twitter. I've been mostly absent for the last couple weeks, kind of on purpose, kind of a mini hiatus, at Golker. Always the podcast quotes in Detroit Bad Boys. I always read those, even if I don't jump into the comments. We appreciate you listening, appreciate your feedback. So either of those two places. All right, Ben, do you, do you want to talk about Michigan, Georgia, or should yeah. I just like end the podcast? Now? You know, it was what I was anticipating, to be perfectly honest. I mean, Michigan had a fantastic season. They beat Ohio State in resounding fashion. Um, you know, had they had they beat Michigan State, that probably would have been the capstone. But um, they were outmatched. Georgia is a phenomenal football team. It's pretty clear to me that Alabama and Georgia are the best two teams in the country. They deserve to be in the championship. It would have been nice to see them put up a little bit of a fight. I will say that. But, uh, you know, I, I will say the one thing I do feel a little bit vindicated about in terms of my own personal take on the Wolverines is that uh, I have been a big believer in retaining Jim Harbaugh. 
I don't think a coaching, it's not even about Jim Harbaugh, really. I, I don't think another coaching change is going to solve Michigan's problems. Uh, and I think Jim finally proved that. Um, he put together a coaching staff that I think works. And uh, he's got a nice little collection of talent. So I, I'm hoping Michigan football is back, even though the, uh, the game this week was mostly forgettable. That's fair. I do think that Michigan and Michigan State have uh, similar problems uh, in that they are not getting the same quality of player as Alabama and Georgia are okay. consistently. Yeah. And so like that, that, uh, that dichotomy is going to show up on a consistent basis. Whenever those two, whenever those, uh, you end up with those, like those two tiers of teams playing and, uh, you just, you just got to make it happen. So yeah, I was, uh, I was a little surprised, honestly, I did not think it would go quite that poorly for Michigan. Um, but then again, like I, uh, Georgia's a really good football team. And uh, it's not a it's not a huge surprise. Yeah, they neutralized Georgia neutralized Michigan's pass rush, which effectively neutered their defense. Right? I mean, they just couldn't they couldn't put pressure on the quarterback, which means they couldn't cover the receivers or the tight ends. Really, that was the biggest problem, especially early. And yeah, I mean, talent other than Ohio State, really, no one in the Big Ten is getting the the best of the best recruits. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that that's a problem if you care about football in the midwest it's it's certainly the powerhouse schools down in the sec that seem to be year after year after year and boy i can't tell you how many times i've thought to myself what if ronnie bell hadn't got hurt in the first game of the season he was their, you know their their one dynamic wide receiving threat and, and they didn't have him all season which just an absolute bummer but hey this will be remembered as one of the best michigan seasons ever and i think you know for me personally i, I found a lot of joy and excitement had a lot of fun watching them so I'm going to take that as as a big win. Yeah, no one no one will force you to rewatch the Georgia game, but you can rewatch the Iowa game whenever you want. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was pleased that Michigan did not lose to Pitt's third string, or Michigan State did not lose to Pitt's third string quarterback. That was uh, that was well, and a, a pretty epic comeback too, right? They shouldn't have been down in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you you win in Georgia. You bring in some of those recruits, right, for for the game. Say like, hey, look, we won the bowl game. If you come to Michigan State, you'll win bowl games in Georgia in front of your family. Won't that be great? And yeah. Hey, that's how you close some of that well, gap. And to like the Big Ten, I think it was um, after the Alabama game. They were interviewing the running back whose name escapes me at the moment, but you know he's been he's been on the bench for a couple of years, right, waiting for his moment. Mm-hmm. Hey. Go play in the Big Ten, then, right? Like you don't you don't need to go to Alabama and wait for two seasons. Just you'll be a starter day one. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying, man. Well, yeah, of course. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at la, uh, at Last Chance. That's at L A Z C H A N C E. Uh, if you want to talk to me about about the deep water, about uh, recruiting, uh, please do. I don't know. I don't know anything about sixteen year old kids, and I try really hard not to learn. Uh, but I do know we need to get better. And uh, this is this that was one of the better uh, Michigan State football seasons uh, of the last mm, seven or eight years. And uh, and so I'm trying really hard not to lose a side of that as well. Bowl wins are fun. Um, the Pistons will hopefully be fun in the not too distant future. And when they are, we will talk about it on this podcast. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. And we will talk to you next week. Uh, have a good day.